listening to the voice of Howard Stern. Hello, you rotten little bloodsucker. This is Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, hey, baby. Hello, the king. Oh. Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. Hi, my name is John Teague and welcome to another edition of The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth and my name is John Teague. So, today on the show we have a gentleman by the name of Zeb Walsh. Now, Walshy is, it's almost like a um, a mysterious paradox, you might say. He is possibly the nicest guy, like... Honestly, he's just a very, very nice human being, and all the re- uh, interactions I've ever had with Zeb have been nothing but just, just he's a good dude. But like, there's plenty of good dudes getting around out there, but not too many of them are world champions. And Zeb is a world champion. Um, you know, it's just it's, it's crazy to think that someone of such a nice demeanor can put themselves through so much pain and just step it up when it counts and yet just keep this nice cool calm demeanor floating around in society when he's a fucking weapon um but you know (laughs) i don't know what to say because i think of myself in some of the situations that he would and has put himself and been through and i'm just i'm not making it i'm dead i'm gone you know it's like some people can 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 man up and get through these feats that would just break most of us um and zeb zeb's one of those people um i don't think you get to call yourself a world champion if you don't have um a film familiarity and uh and just a a kinship with being able to push through pain barriers like that and live in that that i just fuck that that uncomfortability but anyway that's zeb um so stay tuned and you will hear zeb's story so um for me at the moment i just i'm i'm starting a new business with um with some friends from the states and melbourne and um it's involving well it's a candle business um weird i know anyway it's just this weird story how it's all come about but blah 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 my life uh lately has been like smelling a lot of shit and um so it's just been um and i don't know fuck all about candles to be honest but like uh, through smelling a lot of stuff lately um it's become amazing just how much a scent will take you back to a place in time or or you associate a scent with somebody or something and so um <laughs> this little thing happened the other day and because uh, i've been you know acutely aware of sense um and so i was smelling it and, and this is a bit by the way um i've sort of been working on it. i don't really have an audience except you at the moment so here we go uh I, I, I smelt this candle the other day and instantly it was 2006 and I was sitting in my ex-girlfriend's living room in Los Angeles. It was just, it was that bang. I smelt it. I was like, fuck me. It was in the, and so it's just the power of scent. And then um, not long after I was putting some sunscreen on my face and bang, I was, I was back in the Tallow Islands um, a year and a half ago, just that was obviously the sunscreen that I was using when I was there and I'd forgotten about it. That happened then. Um, not long after, I was putting on some different sunscreen and it wasn't quite as acute. It was summer. I was just I was smelling summer. And um, and and then the other day I had a shower and I got out of the shower and 
got dressed and you know after a shower your face gets dry so you go and put on some moisturizer you don't tell too many people about that but anyway because you know supposedly men aren't supposed to wear moisturizer but i wear moisturizer put moisturizer on my face i'm rubbing moisturizer into my face and instantly i'm fucking watching Pornhub again and i was like oh fuck ah i gotta get some new moisturizer because this scent ain't working no more um did i just say that i think i did Anyway, um, it's a bit. It's a bit. You know, I, I think if I was working towards a, a bit on stage for stand-up, I, I, I'd, I'd flesh that out. Anyway, I hope you enjoy my chat with Zeb. Um, I really enjoyed talking to him. If you're still listening, see you on the other this side. Is, is Adios. Wow. Wait till you hear two hours of crap. A complete and total farfarama. This is very, very pretty things are going to help. Sort of stuff. So always, I guess, being from here, always want to be a pro surfer. It's yeah, yeah. Everyone's dream, really. Yeah. Or um, I wanted to be an Ironman, so it was it was either one of those I was kind of chasing. But um, uh, as far as, like, learning-wise, I I guess I I still wasn't sure. I didn't know. Like, I still struggled into high school with, with the – I don't know, like, yeah, any kind of classroom learning, like hands-on stuff, I was into and I loved it. But, yeah. like, definitely written, that sort of thing. I, I always probably struggled through with that. And so you said Ironman. Is that because you spent so much time with the Life Saving Club that you knew that you were a strong swimmer? And Yeah, and I, I guess back then Iron was such a rad thing. Like, they had the Mitchell Uncle Graham, Tobys Graham and, Kenny. yeah, and, like, Trevor Handy and all yeah. that, like, I wanted to do that. Like, that was sick. That would, like, I think Mick Porro was running the Tobies then. So, that, like, I learned years later that that actually wasn't even part of Surf Lifesaver. So, what are the Tobies? The Uncle Toby series. Okay. So, that that was probably the biggest series there was. Like, that, that's a competition for Ironman? Yeah, yeah. So, it was the Uncle Toby's Ironman series that ran. On the Goldie? It was all over Australia. Yeah, right. Okay. And it, it was, um, it was pretty rad because it wasn't actually part of surf life saving so it was run by i don't know different different identity or, yeah it was run by <laughs> uncle toby and mick porra so they had all different formats all the time they went everywhere they were the ones that would race at, like originally at portsy and they'd go to piha like that had that piha one like in maybe the late 90s what's piha again piha in new zealand oh and it was like huge like crazy big like and um they still ran it and it was sick like but like then like i guess everyone kind of was in a like there was still like the clubby surfer thing but like i think you talk to anyone and they everyone used to love watching the tobies yeah yeah because it was like 30 40 professional ironmen though pretty big humans back then too and but um and their surf skills were met like they were all meant like great surfers so it was um i always yeah i guess like most kids here we all everyone does nippers at some point um even if it's just to get the water safety sort of side and understand the ocean a little bit better and then there's sort of then probably go off their own way be it surfing or they stay in surf life saving i always kind of just did both because i was i was a good board paddler more than anything so i i always sort of did both of them. I was surfing and doing clubby stuff. So, so um, 
when did you realize like i know you've done some fucking nut shit so i'm just <laughs> yeah. i don't want to get there too quickly but yeah when did you realize that you sort of had a thirst for that like pushing the boundaries in a in a, uh, an endurance capacity i suppose like, um, was there a moment or you no nah, probably just something i grew in like more curiosity i guess is grommets like i remember when we were first learning to paddle skis and me and one of the local boys nick cogger and we um we're like oh we'll go for a paddle to bells and then we're like oh man we'll just go to jarosite and we're like well we're here we might as well go to addis and there was no time restraint like we didn't do it faster and we just was just through playing in the water and um and then every day and then you sort of like i wonder how much further you can go or stuff like that so it wasn't really like at a young age, I was like, I always did the cross countries and stuff like that. Sort of had mixed results there, but um, there really for the young kids isn't a lot of big endurance races. Um, it's maybe a good thing. I don't know. Maybe they're like at that age. Maybe they shouldn't really be pushing themselves like that. Well, or- isn't isn't it like adults <coughs> and, and men that sort of like you know? I know in endurance like those ultra marathons yeah it's usually dudes in their 40s who sort of clean it up because yeah they're mentally strong. They, they say that yeah mid 30s is kind of your peak mid to mid 30s to 40s i guess your peak for Mental for endurance strength. yeah and i think it's probably i kind of wonder if that in a way it's definitely true but then at the same time I, I, it depends on how far you're kind of talking like from six hours to six days like yeah. i'd say the six days definitely i think the younger blokes can definitely train themselves to do really well over that six hours and yeah yeah uh, yeah totally. and like because uh but definitely when you look at adventure racing and stuff like that like the guys that dominate that are definitely mid to mid 30s to mid 40s like that absolutely school and the young blokes so um so you you were doing this and you were doing local comps with the talkie board riders yeah and when was it that um when you did your first sort of professional endurance race um and was it hawaii when was the first trip to hawaii my first trip first year i did molokai was 2011 so i was not that long ago nah so i'd i'd always i guess i moved up north when i was like 17 just turning 18 um i did year 11 and then i was just like kind of like i don't want to do year 12 um, it's not really for me so I'm, i've moved up north and probably in a way it was like i came home with my mates were doing year 12 and having a hell time i had to go to work and pay rent and do all that but uh who were you working for your old man nah when, <laughs> when i went up north i was um i was i had before that i was working with dad just just being the shit kicker really and uh then I, when I went up north, I um, actually got a job at SeaWorld, <laughs> working at like oh a Macca's God. in SeaWorld. At where? It, it was pretty much like a McDonald's in SeaWorld. <laughs> it's called the Burger Barn. <laughs> it was brutal. But um, I guess it's kind of hard. You come out of school and you... Yeah. Like... Figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, what am I going to do? Like, I had to pay rent. Yeah. Um, that was the job I could get. That was the job I could get. I didn't have a license. I'd have to... Um, we were living in Broad Beach, and I'd ride a bike to SeaWorld, like train in the morning, and then ride a bike to SeaWorld, and then. So, what time would you get up? Uh, up there, we trained early, like sort of like five. 
That's unbelievable. So you're 18, 17. Yeah. And you're that disciplined already though. Yeah. I mean, for, uh, for me, like I I was at that point, I can honestly say as far as swimming went, I was super lazy. <laughs> I never got up and went to swimming. <laughs> I was like, I don't need a swimming board paddler. But I, um, I definitely like there was a few sessions a week that be it board or iron or something that would start early. Like, um, so yeah, we'd be there at, we'd probably leave home at four thirty to get up because we were sort of 20 minutes down the, down the coast and to get up there to training. And, um, so that was, yeah, th- those mornings were always pretty tough, but fuck, I just admire man. I, I'm not a morning person. <laughs> yeah. I want to be, I fucking want to be, but I, I, I like, I kick in a gear after lunch usually. Yeah. I, mate, I'm the same. And to be honest, like, it's one of those, it's almost part of the training is you got to train yourself to try and go to bed earlier or something because it sucks getting up early. I still don't you like it. it. Yeah. You just, you smash that it's just something you got to do. So, out. yeah. Are you stiff though? Are you stiff in your body? Like, I'm never in my fucking body early. I'm pretty lucky that um like i've had my osteos and that tell me over the year like i don't get real tight that's like fuck, after all that paddling you don't yeah no nah, i i'm kind of like i'm rage told me once that if she didn't know me she'd swear i was a flat out stoner because i was always like all my ligaments and that are always pretty loose and and not i don't really tighten up that much but in saying that then is that rage perry yeah yeah and then um in like i can sleep funny and like sublux my shoulder or something though so it's kind of good and bad i guess it's but i yeah i don't know i just yeah no nah, it's not so much the being tired or anything like that it's just you know how it is in the morning you don't want to get up and but um i guess once i started doing molokai and that sort of well when i went to Northcliffe, which was the last club i raced for when i was up north so you're getting up at five in the morning yeah going training coming back going to see we're working at the burger giant (laughs) and then you'd have the arvos off yeah and so what would you do in the arvos go surf or go oh no and then i go back and train in the arvos so yeah that's when i had like the bulk of all my sessions be it like ski or board um so yeah or running session gym so we'd go back and do that you did really well though to dodge the whole you're like i'm young i'm just gonna get fucked up well, we still got pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's places on the Goldie back then you go out and there's a door charge, but then it was like 50 cent bourbons or something for the night. Really? But yeah. When we had no money, that was our night out because yeah. you could go out and get hammered for like 15 bucks. And, Amazing. And then we'd have one meal a day for the rest of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah it was... Um, we still did all that like it was still we still have fun like especially when i went to then after my first year up there i was in southport because we had friends there and and um but a lot of the guys my age were like who end up being all my best mates were all at chugan so and they were all um you know similar ilk training for yeah yeah and And like we were all the same age and um and that was like dane hurst and uh, Huey Doherty, Sam Hamilton, Kenny Wallace, and Troy Hipwood, and all that. So, at that po- like that point, my first year up in Queensland, obviously I was at Southport and at Aussies that year. I think Chugan nearly won the point score with like six guys. They won everything. Right, and that's a that's an amazing feat. I'm 
Oh yeah, like they they won like pretty much every race. I think maybe the only met, like race they didn't win that year was maybe the surf race. But like Dane won the iron, like Sam won the board. They won the board rescue. Kenny and Troy won double ski, ski teams, board team. Like, so you're around super motivated. Yeah, and then Kai was obviously Dane's older brother, and he was like second to Trevor Henney is like now. Shannon Eckstein's maybe ahead of both those guys, but like one of the best Ironman ever. So it was um, it was pretty rad. I like I ended up, and we were all similar characters, I guess too that so we all got along really well and so i ended up moving down to chugan and and we definitely trained hard there but we definitely had fun down there as well so awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so then you you come home yeah yeah and so at what point now i'm gonna i haven't done my homework properly here <laughs> have you done what do you do hawaii or do you do torres Strait? no so so i was up there for I think it was five or six years up in Queensland. So I came home. I wasn't going to go back up. And then one of the biggest, probably the biggest club in Queensland, Northcliffe wanted another board paddler for their taplin or something like that. So I started getting phone calls and, um, I was kind of trying to dodge it to be honest. At first I was like, Oh no, I'm, I'm sort of, gonna do this fitness course down here and they're like oh we got you into it up here and it was like oh i don't have anywhere to live and they're like no we've got you somewhere to live and it ended up i thought oh it's another year i can if they're gonna pay for my rent and bills and all that i'll go back up and i can still hang out with the boys and um it kind of didn't happen (laughs) i went back up and i guess when you're getting looked after like that they expect you to train so that was that was probably the i hadn't trained that much before in my life i'd always trained hard and done like a bit but when i was at Northcliffe, it was pretty full like they made me swim right yeah swim they got three their times of flesh. Week and yeah, yeah yeah if they're doing that they, they're getting their they, they want their money's worth so. yeah um so yeah i was i was was it I, a shock no nah, not a shock because I, I always love the training anyway yeah. like i like that sort of like pushing yourself and everything so that wasn't a shock like i trained with cotter one of the boys for the gold and that was pretty full on like doing sort of probably 18 sessions a week so he was training for a gold for the cool and gather gold yeah okay, so it was right. the first year they'd brought that back which is um a big it is a big endurance race and um from you race pretty much from surface to cool and gather and back so um i was just oh, sorry i'm gonna have to please <laughs> yeah is this swimming running paddling like, yeah so it, it, like- back then you started it was ski so they made a move like the first they were like gonna do this race and they made a movie out of it and um the cool and gaddy girl it's pretty funny actually a real like movie, yeah full proper like, movie yeah yeah, yeah full okay, on, cool. like, All right. it's pretty classic yeah. but um so it was yeah so it was ski from ski paddle from um surface to Greenmount and then you run from there down to Big Groin uh, at Kira swim out and then you swim from Kira down to um, Balinga and then it was a yeah and then it was a run from Balinga to Corumban board from Corumban to Burley and then run from Burley back to surface yeah right yeah fuck okay (laughs) so yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> so it was i think the first one actually they maybe ran it the other way i don't in the movie it might be the ski i don't know it was something like that so they had a bit of skull and duggery in the movie like people cheating and shit people oh cheating. it's two brothers going oh, against okay. each other so yeah, it's, it's pretty yeah. classic yeah but uh <laughs> yeah but um yeah so yeah he was training for that and jez is a like i think maybe the year before like got second in the iron at aussies and like he'd been one of those young freaks that he was in the uncle toby's like maybe at 16 or something like kai and that were and um really good swimmer and ski paddler and so i was training with him and he was just an animal and um so he was like i kind of then was just forced into like all these sessions because i was training with jez and um which was really cool though because it like for a few months there it was like full on and you were sort of testing the outer limits of your realms as well well yeah it was just like i guess i'd always sort of i moved up there like i wanted to do the trials for the topies just to see how it all went and like where i was at and stuff like that and i wasn't on pace for swimming like i probably was sweet for board but and could maybe hold on the back of maybe not the fastest pack on the ski but um my swim was shit <laughs> but um yeah so i i kind of um went up there to do that and then toby's like went under like two weeks after i think i got to the goldie like they pulled the pin on it like i don't know get pressure probably from like the sponsors yeah. surf life saving and yeah so that that like brought there from being there was two series so there was the uncle toby's which i think was at that stage was the best that had they had all the guns in there but then there was still the Nutrigain series which still had gun like it still had your down like your mercers dean down mercer and a few other guys and a lot of the younger guys then and they had a bit of a different format like they were running team like victorian queensland new south wales teams and like there'd be boats there'd be just swimmers there and they did a whole heap of team races as well where toby's was just iron and um but then it sort of went from there being maybe 50 or 60 professional iron men to being like 20 mm. <laughs> and there's like, no sponsorship left and yeah and yeah. i think there was only maybe 10 contracted guys so then those other 10 spots were up for grabs every every round the day before in the um through like a a trials race so to be an ironman at that point was pretty freaking hard like yeah yeah, like because there was a lot of the toby's guys that didn't even that were maybe even in the top six that didn't even get contracted over to so they were racing those races so it's like um it was pretty crazy but i was kind of lucky then that because the toby's guys never really did all the all the races like through the season like the surf life-saving races which up up in queensland at the time it was like the 4x series where there'd be i don't know there'd be like a Tugan carnival like one at maybe dickies beach on the sunny coast kawana surface burley like there'd be sort of maybe five or six major carnivals for the year and it was a point source scoring system so like you might not win an iron all year but place in the top five and you could win the outright point score for the year in that series so it was pretty cool that i sort of although i didn't get to ever do the trial on that for um uncle toby's which i would have got smoked in anyway but um it was really cool because all those guys came back to doing all the carnivals 
So the Queensland Carnivals at that point were crazy, like with the amount of talent and that there. So um, it was it was kind of really good to, I guess, have the years after that where they were all back racing at every carnival. And unlike surfing, like you get into race the best guys in the world like every weekend and i was no one i'm from victoria like yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just a so kid that mix though but yeah and, and then, seeing how these elite do, or the best are training and yeah and, and, and then and it was kind of cool at that point too because in surf lifesaving like you had your iron man and that and they, they'd definitely be guys that had stronger legs in different things but um there was a lot of specialists back then so your, your board finals there might only be a couple of Ironmen in it and the rest would be like specialist board paddlers. So it was, uh, that was kind of pretty cool to, to race those guys and like they probably never got the the credit for like how good they were because they weren't the Ironmen in the series. Like, But there was guys that were racing paddleboards and that none of the Ironmen had touched. Like, yeah. So I'm going to drive off this a little bit yeah. and say, so this is a this was a prelude and and uh, and then things tighten up. I'm guessing, stop me yeah. if I'm wrong. And the the tightening up of the industry with due to lack of sponsorship, yeah, made you have to maybe think outside the box of how you're going to steer your own career. Yeah, well, like sort of that last season I was up there. Dolphin always put on this one. Like it was a longer race. Like it was a 10k board race and. Um, it was i had no money to be honest yeah, yeah. i think i had to get mum to lend me the money to enter the race but there was 700 bucks for the win and um i ended up winning that race so i finally uh, got some bang. cash in there and then, <laughs> then i got a proper job and it was uh, it was all good but um but yeah that kind of after that race i was like i kind of really so the, like was there um playing into that did you go into it like knowing that you had a pretty good chance because you had well that's when i'd been doing like training with jez cotter and i'd been doing a lot of work so i was like i knew i was sweet um not knew i'd i'd get the win because i was like in that day it was sammy hamilton and me who sammy was my old like i lived with sam for years when i was in chugan right. like one of my best mates so and he's a freak so like i was just trying to stay in front of him and then i don't think he realized there was money on it because i never would have beat him if he knew there was money on it really That's yeah. and he, he was like is there and i'm like oh, i don't know i don't know like this is like <laughs> right as we're coming to the end and then i got it and i was like yes that <laughs> was um yeah like it was, it was definitely never given but like me and sam we got a lead and so it was only sort of a two horse race in the end, like yeah. for me, like me and him out in front. But um, how good that would have been a fair boost of confidence. Yeah, yeah, and that was like I'd been doing a lot of work, and I felt really good in that like that race. Like I didn't tire, and we could me and Sam were kind of playing with a couple of the other boys, and we just put a spurt on and let them catch up, and sort of. Oh really? Yeah, and we kind them. of re- yeah we got to um <laughs> got to sort of fuck around a bit, so it was it was good, but um. That definitely kind of sparked my interest in in the longer sort of like races and and then um, so how far was that one? That was only ten k's. Right, and now I wanted to ask you how far is the Molokai? Molokai? Yeah, Molokai's fifty three k's. Yeah, so it was. Um, Felt like here to Melbourne. No, a little. Nah, bit nah, it's not as. It'd be anyway. It's a fair yeah, way. It's a fair <laughs> way, but um, so yeah, I. 
I kind of at that stage though, like when I was at Chugan, like Jamie Mitchell was the lifeguard there, so and he just started kind of his tear through Molokai, like he ended up winning ten straight, and um, so we'd hear stories from Jamie about like this race in Hawaii, and there was other guys like I think Aaron Bitmead won it one year before Jamie did. Um, Mick DeBetter won the first one, so so Aussies had done very well there. Yeah, yeah. So it was um. It was definitely something that was talked about, but like we were still in that like four minute race kind of headspace. And then it wasn't until later on I moved home. I raced for a little bit while I was back here and then ended up getting a job at Quickie and working full time. And it was kind of started to get too hard to try and, well, I thought it was. Yeah, 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 <laughs> Not yeah. realizing how much harder it gets when you have kids but i was um <laughs> yeah i um yeah i sort of moved home and i i kind of steered away from training and that for a while. i was just surfing flat out like i just and was just loving that so I, and in this period is this where you met your wife yeah you so your, yeah uh, i met yeah. i met mal and like um well i'd met her just before i went back up for the last year i did at northcliffe and so we stayed together that whole time through there and she'd come up every few weeks. And I always, even when I was at Chugan, I always came home like yeah. whenever I could sort of thing. So, um, yeah, so then when I moved home, I did a couple of seasons racing back with Torquay, which was sick because we had an awesome squad down here and all the boys. And But then we were surfing more and then with work, it was like, oh, I can't be bothered training. And, and then... Um, but through work, uh, we were dealing with surf tech and I hit up the guys there because I knew they made paddle boards, like some stock boards. And I was like, oh, and they were like, we've got like three left in stock. We just want to get rid of. And we, I got a really good deal on them and I bought one and two of my mates bought two 14s as well. So we, were, we got them down and for a while, I just randomly would sporadically just go and do a random paddle. And um, there was a race down here, the Great Ocean Paddle, which is from, which was just like two weeks ago, I think, down two or three weeks ago. Jared Kohler runs it. Um, Did you go on it? Nah, I was actually on the jet skis with the water safety this year. It's um, so, but it used to be from Urquhart's Bluff back to Fisho's. Yeah. And I'd done a couple of paddles. I was like, oh, stuff, I'm just going to do it. And it's like 20 something Ks or maybe 25 Ks. And I, I think I borrowed an unlimited off pin or someone. And um, that's an, uh, just a like an 18 footer. Right, yeah. yeah. And um, I'd never paddled one before. I just thought, oh, it's big. It's got to be faster than <laughs> not knowing that, like, as you get tired, it's like twice as hard to <laughs> wrestle the thing around. So I, um, <clears throat> oh, yeah, I got that and I showed up and they weren't going to let me do it. Because of the craft you're on. Oh, they were just like, oh, boy, you're going to be like out there forever. And I was like, I'll beat all your, <laughs> these guys on the skis. Like, what are you talking about? And like, um, and anyway, they, they let me do it. And um, I think Timmy Altman, one of the paddlers, he was like, he'll be fine. Like, let him go. And um, so they let me do it. And yeah, I, I made it and I beat, yeah, all the back markers on the skis anyway. And yeah. Um, <clears throat> And yeah, after that, I kind of was like, oh, well, that wasn't too bad. Like, I could do further. And then I think me and one of my mates, Al Blade, and we were, um, I'd like to say hungover. I think we're still drunk. And um, <laughs> what, 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 
yeah, keep going. We'd um had the great idea to try and paddle back from Lawn. Oh yeah, right after the Ben at the pub. Yeah. yeah. So we were like, we must have talked about it the night before and woke up and we're like, yeah, we're on and literally like loaded the boards up, found someone to drive us down there, which I think was Graylo, and um we went to the shops I think and got a pizza roll and like a a protein bar each and a Powerade or something and we're like sweet <laughs> and like off we went oh my god and um that was yeah it was one of those shit ideas I think Al was like complaining his arms hurt we weren't even out of lawn <laughs> <laughs> and anyway we um we paddled I got into we we paddled from lawn to I think we got to Aries and Al was like I'm done like I can't go any further and I was like, hey, you got to keep going. We'll be right. We'll be right. And we went in at Aries and we tried to find, like, tried to ring someone. We couldn't get them. And then I'm like, well, you got to keep paddling. Like, we can't just stay here. Oh, my God. So we got to... It's um, a massive effort. <laughs> yeah. Just to there. Send straight up. Like, we'd been paddling clubby mills, but nothing like... And so we got from... I was like, we're going to have to paddle at Urquitz or somewhere. And we so we kept going. And that, that stretch between the lighthouse and Urquitt's like it kind of seems not that far when you paddle it's so much further than you think and um so we we kept going and I was like pushing him like come on man you'll be right and oh, the poor we, bloke. <laughs> he <laughs> was busted and um so we got there and um we got to Urquitt's and there's some people on the beach that lent us their phone and we rang Graylo and I was like well while you're waiting for Graylo I'll keep paddling and you guys just pick me up in Anglesey. At least I'll get to Anglesey. And as I got to like sort of Govos or around O'Donoghue's or somewhere there, I saw the big board coming back down the beat, like running back down the path. And Greylow had grabbed the board and swapped with Al. So I was like, oh, it right, looks like we're going to keep going. <laughs> so we kept going. And um, I think he paddled from there to Addis. And then he was like, I'm done. And I was like, just someone paddled the bells with me. Cause it was getting late by this point. So I was getting dark and I was like, if someone just paddles to bells and I'll paddle from bells to yeah. jack like by myself. I yeah. just like, it was so close, but like, they were like, nah. And I was like, yeah. And I was stuffed too, but. Oh, they, they, they said, nah. You yeah. Get they pulled out. the pin and yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't want to do it. Cause it was, it was getting late and I was kind of tired and I was like. What time did you leave? Oh, I don't even know. It was in the morning though. Yeah, it would have been mid-morning, I reckon. We were out there for... I can't yeah. remember exactly how long. We're, yeah, we were... <laughs> and we hadn't eaten for it. We would have been dehydrated from the night before. So, oh, dehydrated like, anyway. Yeah. So, um, but that, like, just ate at me for a while. I was like, we're so close. But we didn't make it back to Jack. Yeah. And then um, after that, then I started paddling a bit more and... And then I, I got a call from um, Wesberg, um, one of my mates that was like an Ironman and that, and he was like, we're going to do Molokai and we want to do a doco. We're like, do you want to come? And I was like, done. And by this stage, like me and Mal had just had Maya was, I think it was pretty much Maya's first birthday when I got the call. So, um, yeah, and that, that sort of started that. And then, yeah started training and ignited the fire went. yeah so then then i was good because it kind of got me back into that mentality of training again because i kind of got lazy there for a bit and 
Because I guess I didn't have any goals to chase. It was, and I don't think you can hold it on all the time. Nah, like if it, with anything, if you're like pushing, 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 you, you just couldn't and it cook. Yeah, and so you got, I think it's healthy to step away from things and then yeah. come back to them. Yeah, definitely, and that definitely helped me. It was like it gave me that. It gave me something to chase. So I was like, and at that point, it was just it was funny because after that year of being at Northcliffe and training with Carter for the gold. And I was just like, I'm just his training partner. I'm not doing it. And I always was like, I should have just done it. Like I did all the work. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Apart from the swimming, but I was like, I could wing my way through the swim. Like, um, and then, so that kind of ate at me. So then, yeah, after that first year of doing Molokai. So hold on, just for anyone that doesn't know, the Molokai yeah. is, is it the the world's so longest? We'll, no, nah, not the world. It's like, it's the world championship though for paddling really yep. for for open ocean stuff like there's others like uh, Catalina has been oh, going, really? yeah that's been going for longer than Molokai Catalina off yeah. LA yep Catalina Island back to Manhattan Beach same distance 53 oh, k's yeah yeah right that's I didn't know that was a grind, that thing yeah yeah so so many fucking currents pushing up and down through there <clears throat> yeah and I've butchered all of them <laughs> 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 but um <clears throat> yeah so but Molokai's the one, like it's technical, it's that channel's deep, like how you deep? can get, but it's like 1.2 k's deep, I think. It's one of the deepest channels in the world, I think. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So a lot of water moves through there. So it, it's one of those races you can be the fastest guy and lose it. Yeah, right. Just by going, like doing something wrong. Like I've done it. Do you have I've, to tack? Well... I always just try to run the straightest line. I think the straightest line wins every time. Like you're paddling the least amount of extra Ks as possible. Um, some guys will push up, depending on what the tide's doing, try and push up into it and like get a good run home. But by that time, you're kind of cooked. Yeah, and it yeah. doesn't really, like you're kind of clutching at straws. It might it might help, like, but... So the first year, you're going for the... <clears throat> yeah, first year. So I went over... This is the doco that they're yeah, making doco so, um, yeah. so there was a race on the Goldie that year. So from like Snapper to Kurumban Creek or something. Um, so I went up and I did that one. And um, then when I got to Hawaii, there's I had no plans. on. I was like, I've done all my training before that. So then that's when the lawn paddle, I guess, came back in. I was like... I did my train and like it's kind of really slow and incremental like you you sort of might start doing an hour and a half paddle on a Saturday and I was paddling about an hour and a half every day or every Monday, Wednesday, Saturdays I'd paddle and then I'd do a light one maybe on the Friday but um and then I'd swim the opposite days and then I was just running the first year I didn't really have much i was just winging it really it's it's like, like, yeah go on. but um i was i was probably in the, on the weekday paddles paddling more than i had to like but like the weekend one yeah like i said might start an hour and a half and then you do that for a week or two and then it might go to two hours and you do that for a couple of weeks and then two and a half then three then three and a half then four every and, other day <clears throat> Every like that's on the weekend on the oh, Saturdays, yeah, yeah, so yeah. just so you build up the, incrementally so gets yeah. bigger and yeah longer. And um, with my goal was, I'm like I'm doing that lawn paddle before like that'll be my last big paddle before the 
Molokai. Yeah, and if I'm, I was like, if I get through that, all right, like Molokai's an extra ten k's on that. So, got it. That's always like I don't. I kind of went on that. Like I looked at a lot of things, like the marathons and stuff like that. And most crew, they're not running a marathon before they do the marathon. Right. So, I was kind of the same with Molokai. It's like I never paddled. I've got mates that probably did multiple fifty k paddles, but. I never felt the need to go over that 40 sort of K mark. I just, like, if you can get through that, like, yeah. you're sweet. And if you can do your splits and do what, you know, like, you can kind of gauge on how how you're going through that. So, so I never, like, your shoulders aren't as big as your legs either. So, it's, <laughs> I kind of found it silly to just overwork them like that. So, I, um, so that was, like, one of those big milestone kind of goals for me. Like, I'm getting from here to lawn and so you did it yeah yeah i went the first year we actually went from here to lawn yeah yeah because yeah. it was kind of east so instead of pump punching into it we just went with it and i think it took me like five hours and one minute or something the first time who'd you do that with uh i did it with dave strawn did the first he paddled with me from torquay to urquitz and then swiv paddled with me from urquitz to lawn nice yeah so it was sick and then um and one of the boys met us down there, I think, with the car, like drove along with them. So it was, um, that was really cool. And it was like cool to get there. And I felt, I got there and I was sweet. I ran up to the car and chucked my board on and I felt good. So, and then every year after that, I'd, so that was sort of the, the first time. It wasn't the quickest time. It was, was what it was sort of thing. I think the tides were probably against us, but the wind was with us. So, and, um, and the lines we took, we kind of zigzagged a bit. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was that was the first one. And then, yeah, each year after that, that was always my, my big paddle. So did, the, did you win that first year? Nah, nah, I got smoked. In the Molokai? Yeah. yeah. I, I got I got fourth and I was about That's maybe... smoked. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I, was, I was about... What was I? I was, I was about 20... Oh nearly like 90 minutes behind first but i had like my board was just like i learned so much in that first year like right. i bonked like at one point i was probably wasn't even someone in my category but like there was someone off to like the right of me and i think i raced it like i was just like trying to drop them and didn't eat or drink for like an hour and then i was cooked <laughs> so i um yeah, I, I I got through it. I did alright. So just like, let me ask, right? So this is a fucking long way, and you go, yeah. I'm cooked. When you, I'm cooked. Yeah. And you got twenty k's left. Ah, uh, it's kind of the wheels fall off in the last sort of five miles, I reckon. So okay. After so, Berry Rabbit Island, it sort of gets hard. So just what happens in your mind, like when you go? Oh, it's a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Do you, <laughs> is there any like? Do you like question? Do you, do you question like what you're doing? Do you question like I can't do it? like what? What's some of the thought processes? Yeah, you kind of like the best way to explain. It, we call it now like you get bump drunk, so you get bump drunk. Yeah, bump drunk. So you you ideally you're chasing like these little wind chops or like bumps. We'll call them. Yeah, chip like, ins. Yeah, you're trying to surf those the whole way across, and then as you get tired and like if you bonk like i did like you don't eat or drink for long enough like once bonk. you yeah they call it bonking like you you run out of 
I love his sugar is bump drunk and bonking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you um like I didn't drink so like if you get behind on your food or your water, you're never getting back in front of it while you're still out there paddling. Like you hydrolytes. Like yeah, you're punching everything you can, but you still once you've once you've blown it, unless you just stop and sit there for an hour and try and rehydrate, which you're never gonna do, like you you just got to keep going and just scratch your way to the finish. So it's um I kind of hit that and I went right up. So as you come into like Portlock, like Hanama Bay is up like sort of up the sandy side of the point. And um, I came in up there like not knowing, like I knew there was a shelf there and if you get the tide right, you can drop like, you can drop like a minute a K. Like it happened to us the last year. I did Molokai, like um, the guy that won ended up going onto that shelf and just got slung around the point and we didn't even see him from behind us, just straight in front of us and never saw him. Mm. But um, I went up there and the reverb off the cliffs though, like you start just bouncing. So all these bumps you've been chasing the whole time when you get bunk, bump drunk, you can't find them. You just, they're yeah, there, right. they're, yeah, nothing's yeah. changed. Yeah. But you just you start you can't see you can't get into them you just what's the saying you can't see the something for the the wood for the trees or the yeah like you just you just all of a sudden it's like you you just can't find that bump that you've been riding the whole way across your mojo's gone yeah and then like once that's gone like you're slapping your arms on top of bumps and you feel like you're not getting your hands high enough out of the water and it's just a nightmare and then you come around Portlock and you think like, oh, I'm there. <laughs> it's still like a K and a half into the finish, into the headwind. <laughs> like there is waves you can get, but yeah, it's like that was not a good year paddling in there. That sucked. Fuck, man, your mental capacity. Yeah, so I don't know, like the thoughts go through you. You just, for me, I just, there's no thoughts of giving up. That's just, Does there just, 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 just there a lot it. of this like imagine just, fuck this, fuck this, yeah. fuck, like that's what I'd be saying. I just feel, I think I was just like, I'd just say, just finish and then you can have a beer. Okay. <laughs> Beer's the prime there's motivator. Beer, there's beer at the finish line. It's like, just yeah. finish and you can have a beer. Just yeah. get there, just deal with it. So, um, I don't know. There's a lot of things like that when you're doing those races that like the rashes and yeah. stuff like that, that people try to do things so they don't get rashes and like maybe wearing tops or putting vas or something there to i think you just got to deal with it it's just it's s- gonna happen six hours just deal so with it so it takes six hours well it can be Bang, up to yeah, yeah like so did, did, am i wrong or right but have you won that yeah yeah i won it in so the first year i was fourth Second year, me and Jack Bach, young Californian kid, um, like one of my best mates now, like we just went at it the whole way. Like normally when you get out in the channel, you don't see anyone. Like it's yeah. so big and the bumps. Like you could be right beside someone, but if you're kind of in different rhythm, like you'll never even notice they're there apart from seeing their boat. Mm-hmm. But um, somehow we had the same run line. Like we were like shoulder to shoulder pretty much just the whole way. So, um, yeah, that was pretty rad. Like, and we got to, I got ahead of him coming into Portlock and I got onto that shelf again. So I started hitting the backwash and Jack just chewed me up and 
I think he got a little run off the last bit of the Fuck, wall. That would have been hard. Was that hard? Yeah, there was like only like, I think at the end there was like 50 seconds between us. Oh. And like, he hit the first reef and got away. I got nothing. And that just got him out. And I was like, I can still change. I can still. And then he hit the next one and got another one. And I was just like, oh, it's all over. <laughs> did that eat at you for a while? Uh, it didn't. It did. Like, it did. Because, I don't know, you know, Australian, like, we're so competitive. It's like, you, didn't, you never want to come second. Well, that's it. It's, it's almost it, harder. Essentially, it's a world title, right? Yeah. So, it was like, it was hard. But, like, Jack, he's probably the most lovable guy. He can't. Yeah, yeah, hate yeah, on him yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, so no, it's, no, no, yeah, I get but, that. But um, yeah. yeah, no, it was. Oh yeah, it was tough to swallow, especially when you're gone that whole way, and then looking back over the footage and seeing like, because Jack's the son of Joe Bark, who's probably the best board maker in the world. Open ocean build paddler. Yeah, yeah, right. And um, Joe's built all the boards. It's like. So it's pretty big honor for him to win again. Uh, Jack was yeah. born. I don't think Jack ever had a choice of being a board paddler. It was just happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it was one of those things. Like I look back at the footage, and my board was another Aussie built board with a fuller tail. That every time we'd get a run, I'd be fighting to go straight, and I'd look, and Jack's just got his arms crossed on the board, just trimming, trimming along. Yeah, which. That's Jack. He's the best dude in the bumps in the world, I reckon. But um, yeah, I look back at that, and then I was like, the next year, I was like, I'm getting a bark, <laughs> and I think Jack shaped it actually. So um, yeah, and then the next year, same thing again. Me and Jack, like the whole way, battling, and then I got out in front and thankfully held him off and got the win back on him the next year. And how sweet. Yeah. So that, and then after that. So did that open and change a lot for you, like things that be, essentially makes you a world champion. Yeah, that's yeah, fucking huge. It, it is. If, maybe if you're in a sport that isn't as buried, small as <laughs> paddleboarding, like, but it's fucking huge. Yeah, no, nah, and it did. Like I, I've always been pretty lucky. Like Patagonia have always been super supportive and helped me to get to races, and um, obviously the family and that too. But um, yeah, that's kind of. It's not a sport where there's any money, really. Mm. Like you win Molokai, like I think I got a thousand bucks. You pay a thousand bucks for your support boat, right? So, yeah. so, but um, yeah, it's it's just one of those like the paddle community is so awesome, and and it's uh, it's more of a respect and sort of like the world, like it's rad to win a world title, and it's it's I'd always wanted to be a world champ, but it's unbelievable. You, you kind of get it and it's not i don't know no different than you were the day before it's <laughs> can you get back to training yeah <laughs> well that was it i come home and went straight back to training because i had catalina like the month like not even a month after that so so i went then yeah back so and then now, I I'm just gonna say catalina. This, um you're out in the in the middle of the ocean yeah and some big fish floating around yeah yeah, yeah you see a few out there and um like and you say that I reckon that stretch between Catalina and Manhattan Beach is pretty fucking chunky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, does it? Does that go through your mind, or are you just fuck whatever? Nah, you too. maybe like early on, like the first. You sometimes maybe think about it in the first hour of a paddle or something, but then once you get going, it's just. Out the and window. after you now, tell me this: after you see a few, yeah, 
and you see them in their environment for what they are as opposed to a boogeyman in your imagination. Yeah. Does it change how you think about them or no? <laughs> no, definitely. In Hawaii, I don't know why. We're like, um, so after that, like I stay with Jack. Like I stayed with Jack every year after that and we train together and we do it. And we, I was lucky that um, Jack's with Hurley and Pat who looks after, like organized for us to go out with um, with uh, Clark Little and Brock Little and that Brock shark Little. Guy. Yeah. It was like a year or two before Brock died. Wow, man. And yeah, it was sick because I got a poster of Brock on my wall at home. So it was like, is that one taking off at YME or is like, yeah. Fuck, it's yeah, the sick. Eddie poster. Yeah. And it was like, so it was, that was pretty surreal for me. I was pretty frothing on that. But um, yeah, so we went out with them and swam with the Tiger Sharks with um, Juan and uh, that Ocean Ramsey. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. She didn't come out that day, but what, Juan and her boyfriend. Sw- she just sm- swam with that one called... Yeah, that massive one. What's, it's got a name. Like Deep Blue or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. It, something like that, yeah. Yeah, so, so we went out and... They took us out and we got to swim with sharks. Well, they weren't with me and Jack were paddling and they were taking photos of like the under and over. So we'd go, be going across with the sharks swimming under us. And then um, we found one big tiger came in and we got in the water and got to like see it. Cageless? The, yeah, yeah, no cage. Just, and they're so just like, and they were explaining and I kind of knew with tiger sharks, they're a bit more of a scavenger. Like they do. Like they do attack people still, but like the little sandbar sharks that come in and try and take your GoPro, where the the tiger shark really seemed to just sit out the back and sort of like, oh, oh. sush out a little. Yeah, bit. not really come in and be aggressive or anything like that. So after that, I definitely felt so much more confident. Like we saw one in the channel that year. I was yelling out to Jack. I'm like, do you see that shark there? Like, like frothing. Like it wasn't. It's like completely yeah, kind it wasn't of like changed. A wig out. Nah, it was a like respect or. But um, I've had a big Noah come up in front of me paddling back from lawn, and it scared the shit out of me. Really? Yeah. Were you with someone or? I was by myself. I was about to K out to sea, and this thing was like a submarine coming out of the water. Oh my like, god! Fuck! I'm dead. Was it paddling the same direction or paddling towards? No, nah, it was it? coming across. So it, I don't think it came up because it saw me or anything. Like it was a stormy day. There was pretty good bumps, and um, I think it just came up like down near sort of Hunters there, and um, just past Cathedral. And I just sort of out of the corner of my eye, I just saw like half of the dorsal fin sort of come out, and I think it was just coming up between two runs, and then. But the, the water coming off its back was the thing that I was like, oh, no. Because I've seen a lot of, sh- not a lot of sharks, but I've seen a few sharks. But I've never seen one that pushed water like that. And I was like, fuck. Like a submarine breaching. Yeah. Just rolling like off. Like rolling off. And I was just like, don't look down, don't look down. <laughs> I was like, the worst thing that could have happened was look down and just have that black eye just staring into your soul. Like I was like, oh, I'm not looking down. I'm not looking down. And I was lucky that there was a bit of a squall had come through and I got like four... Four like bumps? Looked, four, <laughs> yeah, four bumps, like good ones too though. So I was sort of balking. I was going pretty quick. Because I looked in, I was like, I'm, I can't beat it in anyway. And it was just rocks. So I was aiming for sort of Spout Creek. And I was just like, just go, just go. And then after five minutes, I was like, 
hadn't seen it again i was like i'll oh, stuff it so i just kept paddling home <laughs> fucking hell but that yeah I, like, like especially when they're pushing water like that i was like yeah that's not the same as seeing a tiger shark come in for a sass and yeah it's a deep off, blue job so, prison yeah around. yeah so it was um yeah but so i think the second year i did molokai there was one that followed us for a little bit as well so but i wasn't really phased like are no they one over there. Like, I think, yeah, there? they just come to suss you out. Like you're on a twelve. Like for us, we're on the smallest boards in the field, so we're on a twelve foot paddleboard. Which twelve foot sharks pretty big. So you're thinking, are they really going to take on something the same size as them? Probably not. I don't know. They probably would. But yeah, they go boats. Who knows? Go, but, some of them go props on boats. Yeah. And shit. But um, but I, I we knew a few of, like the crew from Hawaii that were like they were like oh, don't worry about them like they're not they're yeah, not yeah. they'll come and suss you out but they're not not really you're kind of you're moving too fast and kind of i guess looking too healthy to sort of they're more likely to take something that's struggling and off the back of the pack and, well that's it they're cleaning up right they're, yeah so so it didn't really um i never really was that phased about it but so you got a world title yeah and you're back home training yeah and do you go north first or south? Well, then I came back and I trained for three weeks and went back to California and then oh, won you did Catalina. That Catalina. You won Catalina as well. Yeah, so I got the single double. I was the fifth guy to ever do it. So you're on fire. Yeah, I had a good. I lost them all the next year. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. You just yeah. got to do it once. Yeah. Fuck. But um, yeah, no. So I, I yeah did Catalina and then. When I was over there, I think I said to Jack, I was like, I'm thinking of paddling Bass Strait. And he was like, I'm in. And I was like, sweet. And then like Gawley, one of my other mates, like I knew he'd be in. Like he'd just won Molokai two years in a row on the Unlimited. So he was sort of second to Jamie on Jamie's last. And then when Jamie retired, like Gawley sort of took over in the Unlimited. So on the big 18-footers. And um, so... I think I'd sort of talked down at Jack. He didn't, he's from California. He was like nine, 18 or 19 at the time. Like he didn't know what Bass Strait was. So right. it was easy to get him over there. I'm like, yeah. oh, that'll be easy, mate. So yeah. we just have to paddle Molokai every day. And he was like, yep, I'm in. So yeah, so pretty much I came home and had maybe a couple of weeks off and then just back into training again for that. So we did that that February. So, so like has that ever been done before nah so you got a world record yeah yeah oh well, you, you do, i mean you don't have a world got record. a world title world I title that's what yeah. i meant to say and you've done something that no one's ever done before this is fucking epic yeah and so you so, paddled from victoria to tasmania yeah so first first ever paddleboard it so yeah. it's been done on kayaks and stuff like crew do it on kayaks every year but yeah we were the first to paddle it's for first and only to paddleboard it so do you go to flinders island yeah yeah, yeah, we did that loop. So we went from Waterloo Cove in uh, or Waterloo Bay in down at the Prom, and across to Hogan Island, down to the Kent Group, which is like Deal Island and that. Um, across to Craggy Island, the Flinders, down to Long Island, which is just off Cape Barron. We couldn't go on. There was a bit of shit going on at Cape Barron then. So what we, do you mean shit? Um, I think the like local indigenous crew, indigenous crew had sort of taken over. Like the cops had left, and they were sort of running their own tribal law and that there why so. the fuck did this not make the media or did it well it did yeah did. so we kind of got the heads up like maybe don't 
like I don't think they're doing anything crazy. It yeah. was just, I think it was sort of just a bit of reclaiming bit of some land. Time. Yeah, so they should. Yeah. <laughs> it was theirs anyway. <laughs> yeah, so. totally. Um, well, within their rights, but um, so yeah, we just stayed. There was an island like just off this, so we just moored off that island. It was pretty rad, actually. It had all these like big rocks, like like almost stacked on top of it. It was pretty. Did crazy. you get any sleep? Yeah. Yeah, we slept. We slept on the boats, on the boat every night. We were going to camp, but then yeah, just I was, I was going to say, I was going to imagine you were in a campfire. And yeah, no, like <laughs> we were going to camp, like on Hogan. There used to be a little shack, like well, I think it's rebuilt now. But when we got there, it had just burnt down. So we we're like, oh, right. yeah. And then there was like mutton birds and penguin. Like it sounded like there was a million people getting murdered at night on that island because it was so noisy oh, really? with the birds. Yeah. <laughs> So um, we ended up just sleeping on the boat because too, it was like packing up every morning. Like we were like missing crucial time we needed to be paddling against the tides or with the tides or stuff like that. So we ended up just like we'd make land wherever we're going and then we'd sleep on the boat that night and then go back to the land in the morning and then start from there and keep going so we went from long island in the end we were meant to paddle from there to clark island which was going to be only like a 20 or 30k day yeah and then um which we were kind of looking forward to (laughs) and then because we could have had a bit more of a look around sort of cruise on that island and um and we're going to camp on that one and then we got the weather report that morning that there was another big southwest front coming and they were like you got to do what time of year was it uh end of feb start of march oh so it wasn't too cold nah nah it was the water like along flinders was like 21 degrees or something it was perfect but um so yeah we we got yeah the report that like this weather was coming the boat had to be back like we couldn't just wait it out like we had to get the boat back because the guy whose boat it was needed it and so we kind of got the in the morning we just got the news and Dino Gardner, who was like, um, he paddled with us on a ski, but he's like, um, he's one of the best ski paddlers, I guess, in the world. Like, has been for the past 30 years or something. And, um, fuck, that's a long reign. Yeah, he's an animal. And he was like, boys are going to have to punch it today. And so we sort of were like, fuck. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> because we had planned to go to Clark because the last push is across that bank straight, which is, notoriously like probably the gnarliest part that's shallow like and like i hadn't spoken to him but Gawley was speaking with that jimmy spittle before it he's like i don't think he thought we're gonna make it but he was like you just don't want to get wind against tide and then we got two days in one for the last day and we got wind against tide across bank straight and we just got flogged so that day ended up, I think we paddled maybe 67Ks or something. Like Fuck, longer than the Malachi. Yeah. After how many days of paddling? After, yeah, that was our sixth day. Oh my God, murderous. So yeah, we got stuck on Hogan though for two days after the first day. So that kind of chewed up all our... Reserve time. Yeah, reserve time we yeah. sort of had. So yeah, we just had to knuckle down. And like I got... I At one point, I thought I like... Because you're down in it, you don't see it as much. Like when I finally saw the footage, I was like, holy shit, we actually paddled through that. But um, I remember like thinking like, 
seeing like a white water and i'm like oh wave sick i'm gonna catch it and just cruise for a sec and it took ages didn't hit me and i was like oh that's weird and i'm like oh there's another one like it was a reef like in a standing wave pretty much with the tide and then just, i got sucked oh, through it just running over like a yeah because it wave. like hit me and i thought oh yeah i'm gonna get it and then it's just like kind of went through me and i was like that was weird. I was so out of it. I didn't know. And then it was like later, I was like, that was a standing wave. Bump, I just got bump, sucked bump back drunk, through it. What yeah. do you call it? Oh, yeah. Well, dehydrated, <laughs> bump drunk. Who knows? Like, I think we shared one drink bottle for like the last five hours or something we had. Because we couldn't get to the boat then. The boat had to go a different oh, route to us route, because man. it was yeah. too shallow and there was reefs and fuck. And then like I got separated from Gourley and Jack for a minute because they peeled off and like just went across the current and i was still punching up into it because i was like nah we can make it to that island and we couldn't we'd paddled like 200 meters in an hour or something <laughs> and then we just yeah so we had to cut across and then just hug the coast and the tide ran like almost up to the shoreline like hug the coast all the way back up and around cape portland and into pedal point and <laughs> took fuck that took forever i did have a squeeze um <clears throat> on the news interview yeah when they're like chucking microphones in your oh. front of face when you've just finished and it's yeah. like oh my god these boys are fucking cooked how are you expecting them to respond here oh <laughs> it's yeah, pretty funny pretty brutal <laughs> so brutal man the funny thing was we kind of uh, we didn't have to do well like probably not that we didn't want to do it but um much press stuff because you couldn't get any reception there right like they couldn't even satellite it out it didn't <laughs> didn't work so we kind of got in and there was like mum and dad mel and the kids there and there must have been it. some camera though wasn't there because i saw we some had and... yeah because we had our cameramen on the boat like oh, they okay. came yeah so they that missed probably half of that bank straight crossing because they were on the boat yeah and right. we were separated then they got in the little tender and they came and found us and yeah it was it was pretty brutal but it's huge sick. feet yeah so no, I was st like that had been a dream of mine for years to to do that and to do it and be the first guys to do it. We were yeah pumped, bang. <laughs> yeah. So then, how long after that one did your mad brain go? I fucking want to do another one oh, straight away. I yeah. was like straight back on. Like where can we go next? Like so yeah, it was one of those things. Like I guess with all of those, it's always well. We finished that and then it was straight back into training for Catalina, Molokai and Catalina again. So it was, yeah, come home. It was February. Oh, yeah, March, Feb, March. So, yeah, we were straight back into training for Molokai. So it was kind of no time for that sort of year and a half. What? Just, so, you, sorry, I'm just going to ask you about the depletion of that seven days or whatever it was. Yeah. How long, when you come home, do you crash for a couple of days? Like, no, nah, I had to go no? back to work. So it was just, just straight back. Just shut keep up. going. Straight away, game <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Fucking hell. But um, yeah, now it's kind of, I don't know, we just eat it just, up. Yeah, just take it and yep. go. <laughs> it was, I wish we had, if I, um, we had all the great plans of like weighing ourselves before and after it and seeing what the, yeah, yeah. We didn't do Depletion it. <laughs> yeah, and they've still never done it. So but um that that would have been pretty cool to see what what kind of happened there. So straight back into it. Yeah. And then you did Molokai again. Molokai and Catalina. How'd you go those times? 
Um, I went all right. I like going to Molokai. I think I was paddling the fastest I'd ever paddled, pretty much. Like on my train, like the lawn paddle I did in under four hours that year. Wow. With like the first time being like the five, just over five hours. Yeah. So I was, I was confident. I was feeling good. I we'd been. I paddled the Tassie. Paddled the Tassie. <laughs> um. So. Yeah, I was I was feeling good. It's always one of those things though, like you never know really what everyone else has been doing. So I, I always just focused on trying to so that year I was like I obviously wanted to win, but I was like I wanna I wanna beat the records. So I ended up <laughs> losing both of them. <laughs> I got third at Molokai, but went seven minutes, I think, under the record. Did you beat your time from the <clears throat> last time? I beat you? the record, the stand that Eric Abbott had set the first year I did it. So, so but the person who won, yeah, Jack won and smashed he, it. Yeah, he beat it by like 12 or 14 minutes or something. So, you all had killer runs. Yeah, yeah. So, it went, um, yeah, Jack won. Jack got third in the unlimited on a stock board that year. I don't know what that means, but it sounds so like, good. We're like on 12 foot boards. The yeah. unlimiteds are like 18 foot with a tiller and everything. And Jack was third overall. With a twelve foot board on a twelve foot board, Fucking so hell. beat yeah the big like only yeah. got beaten by two unlimiteds, so it was yeah it was pretty crazy, but yeah we all went under top three we all went well under under the record and then went to Catalina and I got second, but again we both went under the record so I was like five minutes quicker than the, I got both records and lost both races. Who'd you lose to in <laughs> Catalina? Uh, Lockwood Holmes. Where did Jack go in that one? Jack was fourth, maybe, or fifth. It's just, it's so the difference. You're all obviously, you know, pretty yeah, neck and neck. Yeah. Is it just the bumps that get you across the line in the end? Or is um, it like just like some days you feel the, good, some days you don't? Like Catalina and Molokai are kind of completely different in the sense like Molokai is technical. It's bump, chasing bumps. Um, like I said, like you got to try to get the best line possible to win. Catalina's more of a grind. If yeah. you got the heart and the power and you just put your head down and just grind it out. So Jack Jack actually nearly won unlimited in Catalina maybe two years ago. Just pretty much off the couch. Just first crack at it, got on an unlimited and yeah, nearly won it. But um in the stock so he'd never been yeah, he'd he'd always been because he was younger too, like he probably like Jack's like legs are about the size of my arms like he's like a string bean but in the bumps he's a he's amazing like he's so fast but in the flat he probably just wasn't strong enough yet to like now he'd be he'd probably be pretty hard to beat i reckon in that but um back then yeah there's there's a few other guys like steve schlenz had one at the year before i did and um he's just a weapon just loves just like fittest looking human you'll see and so you you came who you saying the catalina second, second and yeah. then came home and then did you do the the bat the torres Strait? no so it was kind of i did that then the next year because we had had a bit of a success and we'd done torres Strait and we'd done um i kind of got to do a bit of travel that year surf tech got right behind me and jack and um I guess because the doco came out, we they flew me to LA. How fun! For, yeah, it was pretty cool to um. They fly your wife with you? 
Nah, no, nah, it was just me. And that's in the end kind of why I ended up, I kind of, I love the racing, but I started to not enjoy traveling because I couldn't take Mel and the kids. Yeah. So um, it was that year I went to LA for, and we showed the doco at Cardiff because they had that big camp shred, big thing on down there. And um, we showed the doco at the Patagonia store there in Cardiff. And then, um, like, uh, the following night or maybe two nights after that, we did it at Santa Monica and then come home and then went back, like, a, two weeks later to North Carolina and we showed it over there. Uh, there was a big part, like, the Carolina Cup, which was, numbers-wise, it's, like, the biggest race in the world at the time. It was, like, I think there was, like, fifteen or 1,600 competitors or something like that. So... <laughs> surf tech flew us to that one and um me and jack did like a there's a lot of clinics go on there like and um which is a way for all the paddlers i guess to make some money like but instead of making money me and jack just did it for free and, <laughs> and like so it was um which everyone was stoked though so it was kind of, and surf tech got us there so we it was pretty cool but um yeah, so then we did that race there and I won a little bit of money there. So that was kind of cool. It's a shame that they couldn't have taken, you know, your wife and family to make enrich the experience for yourself. That would have been, don't you think? Yeah, no. yeah. I get it's just, like I said earlier, it's such a small, it's small fringe sport yeah. that it's... Not a lot of money. It's not really, yeah. Like that, that second year I did it when Jack just beat me. Um, I had, that was the only year, like Mal and Maya came... And met me at the finish and i actually proposed to mal in the water before i even i'd carried the ring in my pocket across the channel which channel across molokai really yeah that's so, awesome so um oh i was kind God. of so you were almost drooling year. when you said <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think i could drop to a knee yeah. <laughs> yeah. collapse in the water i was uh yeah but um that was so that was cool but i was kind of i would love to have got the win like that was the hard thing like then the next year at I love that you carried it all the way across. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I lost it for a minute because I'd tied it on the little string that's yeah, like yeah, in the your pocket. Thing, yeah. But it'd come off that. So it was just like my pocket was zipped up, but it was like, yeah, it was just floating in there. And yeah. I was like, oh no, like, where is it? But um, not that it was a very expensive ring. I didn't really have any money. So it was, but, um, but yeah, so I would love to have got the win when they were there. But the following year, I had my dad and my older brother in the boat, so at least like I had some family there. So that was pretty cool to yeah. to it. But then, yeah, I kind of that year was rad. Like I got to like they flew me to a lot of different. Like I'd never been to that side of the US before, and then back to Molokai and and um, how fun's the US? Yeah, oh, it's crazy. Like and everyone's so nice though. That's so the nice. thing. Like yeah. I, like everyone, I think you get the. Like, oh, loud Americans, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, they're, they're have you loud. ever been there? And like, yeah. they will just do anything for you. They're loud outside their country. Yeah. So if you see them traveling, they're loud. But inside their country, you didn't notice it. They're just no. the friendliest people ever. Yeah. And they're, they're always like, everyone's always willing to help out or do something for you. Yeah. So it's, yeah. But um, yeah, after that year, I kind of, it, it wasn't as fun. Like, I didn't really want to travel without like the kids were like because by that stage like the year 2013 we had marlo so that was while i was training for molokai so um 
the kids like then it was sort of like i'd be like oh yeah i've been there and then i'd feel bad like mal and the kids yeah. haven't really got to travel as much and it was like if i can't take them i don't really want to do it so yeah so that was sort of it sort of wound down after that sort of the racing side of it and and then i guess because the kids too like the kids were growing up and i sort of went more into that sort of being a dad being a dad and mm. and just working and which is kind of hard like you go from being on top to then not being there like mentally it's a it's a hard thing to kind of deal with you feel like you lose a bit of your identity i guess but um well yeah i mean to to at least you can say <laughs> you know you've taken down and you've got you know got a title if you had never have got that, that would be the bitter, bitterest pill to swallow, wouldn't you reckon? Yeah. Now at least you can put your head on the pillow and go, fuck yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, the hard thing is though, you win one, you just want another one. Right, okay, yeah. So yeah, you yeah, kind yeah. of, yeah. you always like, I always thought like if I got the, two world titles, I'd probably be, oh, 100%. Just that fucking it's like, king. Yeah, and so like you get like, I oh, know I always was like, I just want to win two, like if I can win two, yeah. two world titles, I'd be stoked. And not being ungrateful for winning one, but yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. you're always kind of moving on to just the next. Well, thing. you have to, don't you? Yeah. To keep so, I could imagine Callie going like, "Oh, like I got two. Like I'm going to go 40. for if I could just go to um, get MRs and like I'll get three or four or whoever like yeah. And then it's like, well, I'll just get one more because then that's one more than he had, and then it's like, well, well I'll have two more, and then it's like a know, drug. Yeah, and like you just keep chasing it. And, yeah. And it, it's kind of, I don't know. I guess my just my like my way of looking at it. I I kind of yeah. I always wanted to get one more over there. Well, let me tell you from you know outside looking in, you can rest easy. You got one. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um. Now paddling the Torres Strait. Yeah. So that kind of that was pretty much two years after Tor after Bass Strait. So mm. we'd pitched to Red Bull, the Bass Strait one. And they were like, oh, we love it, but you're not going to make it. And we we're like, oh, all right. Um, That's a nice so fuck you. So we just, just did it ourselves, yeah. And um, and then they bought the footage after it off... Um, oh, really? Yeah. Off, there you go. Well, not off art. We didn't... Yeah. We just funded everything, but then we were like, oh... Well, like, um, George Apache's got the construction film company in Sydney. He sort of farmed it out and got it and, they, and then they did all the editing in that so i think they just i don't know what they Patch paid for it yeah, yeah. And, but um yeah and i i guess i got flown up there to do the narration and that of it but um so yeah we didn't make us pretty much spent our life savings on doing that battle and we didn't make anything from it but um then they came red bull sort of came back because that sort of got got george and that in the door i guess with those guys and then they did a couple of other ones and then they came back and they're like, have you got any other ideas? And I was like, I've always got bad ideas. Yeah. <laughs> so I threw a couple of ideas out there and they were like, the Torres Strait one sounds cool. And they're like, would you, like I wanted to paddle it with Jack and Brad. And then they were like, would you do it on a dugout? I was like, if you guys pay me, I'll do whatever you want. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't care. Oh, like, nice cream lead. I yeah, I just want to, I want to go on an adventure. So, and um, so yeah, so then it like turned into yeah, doing it in a dugout wooden canoe and then i kind of jack and that couldn't really fit it in the time frame that it was like and then so 
the the film company they kind of started to pull other crew in and um so i didn't really i didn't really have the control i guess that we had with the bass straight one yep so which i, I was fine with because then that was a lot of dramas and a lot of headaches and trying to organize all of that so i was kind of happy to just go yeah i'll turn up and do the trip yeah yeah and yeah. um but then we we were still down one guy and um cormac evans one of my mates down here had like reached out and was like he was doing a paddle for indigenous health and um he just wanted to get some tips on training and sort of a bit of help getting aboard and how to do it and i was like man you want to come on this trip it's kind of probably because he's indigenous so i was like it's sort of down your path like it'd be kind of cool mm. to see like your perspective of it too and um yeah so yeah cormac jumped on board and so at least i have one one like mate there like <laughs> where the other two Bo and eddie i had i didn't know so so that was interesting and so what were some of the difficulties that you faced now i'm going to come back to cormac but yeah um what was some of the, like when you did that paddle was it a straight shot or was it nah like- nah we got it was wrong time of year it was really yeah it was <laughs> fucking how did you mess all those people well it was just the it. time frame and they wanted yeah. it done by this point so we just had to go and do it and um so we got up there like they they like thank god i didn't have to like i said i didn't have to deal with it all but we had um like blakey and mick wilkins and a few of the boys that like um were filming and directing and all that stuff they'd been doing trips up there to organize like get because we started from Cybi because we weren't allowed to go we weren't allowed to cross from png back into torres strait so we weren't allowed to start in png but there's a sand spit right in the middle which is technically half png so you came north south yeah okay so um so we flew up there me and cormac missed all (laughs) (laughs) which george wasn't psyched on but um we got to the airport (laughs) and we went to like the jetstar terminal which it said we're flying out of uh, out of international and we're like that's weird but we're like all right whatever and we got up there and someone's like, no, you guys are in the new Terminal 4 or whatever. And we're like, oh, shit. And like, we're it running through It can be so there, fucking like, confusing. Oh, and we had like swags, paddles. I had like my compound bow and like, and um, like we're a Compound running. bow? Yeah, well, we're going through Torres Strait. We're hunting <laughs> and everything. So I like trying to run like through the airport. Like well, I just have one backpack just full of everything and like, we're trying to haul ass through the freaking airport and we get down there and they're like, oh, no, you've missed your flight. And plus you were meant to be in international anyway. And we're like, oh, you fuckers. <sighs> so we missed the Melbourne to Cairns. We missed the Cairns to Horn and the charter plane from Horn. Oh, my God. That's a colossal fuck Yeah. And all the... Um, Are you taking like, this as an doctor, omen? The the doctor the two of the cameramen were meeting us there so like oh it was a colossal fuck up yeah but it, it kind of wasn't our fault but i guess it kind of was we, <laughs> maybe if we got there earlier we would have <laughs> could have run down there and run back i don't know but um yeah so it was the, just a debacle <laughs> from the get-go <laughs> But then we got there and like, so there's no trees on Cybi pretty much. So the, the logs had come over because they've got free trade with P&G. So 
which was only like a KOA. Like you could see it across the channel. So this dugout canoe. Yeah. You had to make it yourself. Yeah. So it came, they they brought them over from Saibai and they'd been rough cut or like roughly shaped and roughly dug out. Okay. So we got there and we still had to like shape the hull, like halt like take a heap out to try and get the walls thinner and clean out the inside we had to make like the how did you know what to do well we had like um cedric wire one of the elders there okay who was canoe builder teaching us so it was pretty rad like and like then like another one of the elders came and taught us how to make spears and like it was rad like we did like the canoes like were both tied up with like cane ropes that we had to make from just cane like we split it into four and so it was pretty rad like learnt to make we made two canoes and um there was like a smaller one and then a bigger one and we were going to try to paddle both of them down but the big one like weighed like fuck i don't know like it was (laughs) i reckon by the end it was like anywhere between five or seven hundred kilos like yeah because it has just sucked water in and just so the whole thing was so like this. This kind of is an outrigger job. Like, yeah, is that how yeah, it rolls? yeah, yeah. But like the outrigger, like the armor's like a log. Yeah, just a log, like pointy. Well, you got to sharpen it so it breaks. Yeah, a bit. and it, oh man, there was a bend in it. It was just the shittest craft you've ever seen, really. But it was sick. Like, and we um, but like Bo, one of the boys got like a staff infection before. We, like while we're still finishing the canoe, so like he then in hospital on a drip and, but then he came good and then mick the direct he was pretty much on iv drip every night on the boat because he was yeah cooked on he, staff that's just yeah he heavy. he cut his finger and it, like did it, all bubble, this did it bubble up all around it and shit uh, i don't remember i don't think i didn't re- even realize it was when we got home he had like a week in hospital yeah and we were like holy shit but everyone got like every something happened to pretty much everyone like i ended up with bursitis in my knee and like an abscess on my leg and like everything's just so alive yeah, up there and yeah, it's like yeah perfect what do you call it uh ecology or yeah like, like just, just breeding just just breeds yeah. germ- like so everyone got sort of something and had something to deal with and it was um but it was such an adventure going down through that. Like it was so. Did you spear fish and eat you fish? Spear and yeah. fish, and like we were catching pretty much most of our food along the way. Like be it fish and, um, we hunted pigs on Gabba. Really? Yeah. With your bow? Yeah. Well, we ended up. Eddie wouldn't let me shoot the one that we got. He kind of blocked me, and I was like, just move and because he wanted to run it down i didn't know that like it's so hot there you just chase them for 200 meters and they give up they'll just turn around and try and fight oh yeah right so he wanted to me he was just trying to make it look better for the camera i think and okay so wouldn't let me shoot it so he's chased it and like just kicked it over and stood on its neck tied its mouth up and we but we had to then carry this like ball like a task for like an hour and a half back to the camp like through mangroves like with there's crocs and we've got this freaking pig on our shoulders like it was brutal and then you put it on the the cooker no we ended up letting it go what 
Well, they're full of TB and like Japanese cephalitis and stuff. Oh my so we, God. we just wanted horrific. to prove to the boys that we got pig. Yeah, so, right, okay. But Bowie got a little one and just like stabbed it straight away. And <laughs> he cooked it. I was like, no, nah, I'll just eat the fish. Like, yeah, I'm not, stick to the fish. I'm sticking to the fish. A few of the boys tried. It didn't look real cooked to me. But like mud crabs, like Bowie got a mud crab like just walking in to the first island. Like just, was just in, in like on the reef. Unbelievable waters. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like, seriously, there's like not much, so much food. Not much. Uh, they those waters haven't seen much of humanity lately. Nah, not lately. So Gabba is like a cursed island. So they'll tell cursed. Us. Yeah, like black magic. Oh, dude, I 100 percent believe in that black magic. Oh yeah. man, after I, being up there, like, so they're like, don't yell when you're like Mick was yelling on Gabba on the way up. And they're like, you got to be quiet. You'll upset the spirits. And, and like, yeah, Mick got stabbed. Like everything went wrong for Mick because he was like, and he's like, okay, I believe it now. Yeah. <laughs> and and like all of it, like there was just signs of things and like from like, I had a big, like an eagle tattooed on my arm before we went up for like Bunjil being like the Wathorong totem and my kids love the eagles and Hold on, I want to come back to this because um, I've got a question for you about the... Yeah. Event, but, uh, but the black magic thing, man. I, yeah. I spent a month in the Tallows a year and a half ago and the yeah. island that I was on up there was... Yeah. The stories that I found out was just like, oh my God, it's real. Oh, fully. There's so many things happened that we were like... So like, yeah, this Gabba was like... It's yeah. spooky as shit, yeah. man. It really gives you shivers. And they're like, just when you walk on, like kind of... You don't have to say it out loud, like just say hey, we're just here. We only take what we need. Like we, I was too scared not to do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I was like too through. much of this. Yeah. Too much of this shit's like coming true. Like, and um, but it was like crazy because half or there used to be like crew lived on that island, and it's like there was like three kings, I think, of the Torres Strait, and one of them, the one that was three up kings. there. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember. I want to learn. I want to learn that full story again but like stan one of our support boat guys was telling us because he's from murray island and um he was a local and he was like yeah they told us the story i'd probably had a couple of cans though so i forgot it <laughs> but um essentially they just slaughtered everyone on the island and all the ones that didn't get killed fled and they still live on on yam island so yam island like they still technically own Gabba or I guess so we have to get their permission to be able to go onto the island and and then I think there was a shipwreck there with a heap of whiteys that then I think they all died because they dehydrated and starved like they didn't know how to get fresh water through the mangroves and this was like first fleet days or this was yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm not sure maybe after the first fleet yeah, okay. um, but yeah like we saw the monument up on um, Monument Island with where um, Cookie landed and um how's the history is just nice. oh it's crazy and then then you find out that it's like monday tuesday wednesday island thursday because <laughs> it was just where they got to through the week oh really <laughs> yeah so that pretty was pretty like funny that, i was like oh, they drunk? Were, yeah no, they were just rum drunk i think <laughs> but um we'll name this one fucking oh, days it fuck just tuesday <laughs> wednesday like so it was pretty funny like but um yeah, the islands were all so different as you came down through there. And, like, yeah, we caught snakes and we took one onto the boat. Taipans? Nah, nah, no, no, we didn't see any venomous ones, just big scrub pythons. And we had one on the boat for like 
all morning one morning because we i think we went paddling that day and we we're out on the big support but it was a big like 44 foot catamaran and we were just like playing jokes on everyone with it and and it was big docile thing it was like so friendly like i just had it on my shoulders just walking around the boat and benny one of the cameramen i don't know we were going to paddle or we we're going to do something and it reached out to him <laughs> And he flinched and the thing just latched onto his arm. Bang. <laughs> yeah, just nailed him. And then he's pulled his arm away. So it's like... Sunk in. Like, yeah. And like, he's bleeding. He's like, can you check if it's lost teeth? And we're like, you fucking idiot. It's a snake. Like, we're not going <laughs> to check its teeth. Like, But um, yeah, just stuff like that all the time. Bowie kept trying to get us to go in and like... um find crocs at night and stuff he's like oh we just walk through the mangroves i'm like dude i got kids i'm not walking yeah. through the mangrove like <laughs> stick it up your ass we were camping on beaches and there's croc slides beside where we've got the fire and it's like but they reckon like saying that i was pretty pumped to try and see a croc and um salty yeah but and i thought oh like you'll see them like they've got a, the smallest brain for their body size out of any animal i think but those old things are freaking smart Oh man! And you never see him. Yeah, so like prehistoric w- predator. Yeah. So it's like shit's on point. Yeah, and like, and they were saying they're like you'll be right for the first night, like camping on it because we were just sleeping on beaches and stuff, and they were like you you'll be right for the first night. Like they'll watch what you do. Yeah. And then they, they generally patterns. patterns. Yeah. And if you go and wash your hands on like that spot there every night, they'll night two or three. That's where they'll get you. Bang. So I was like. All right, let's get off this yeah, island. Let's have my sleep. <laughs> yeah, and then the, it, probably the only other thing was then the the stonefish, like, and well, you can't even keep an eye out for them. It's like so stonefish, they're a deadly. Well, yeah, like from what we understood of them, like, yeah, we were like, we kind of you like down here, you get told they're deadly, but up there, like they were saying, they're not so much deadly as in the venom's so painful that. It's like kids, I think the venom could probably kill them. Yeah. Um, Elderly, it'll probably kill them because they have a heart attack because it's so freaking painful. Yeah. But for like us, if we stood on one, we'd just have a really shit day. Get a hell on that. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So um, I found one in a rock pool one day and like you cannot, I was like, how do you you not stand it? Like, how do you, they're like, you just don't know. You just don't know, yeah. It's like shit. So you got to wear like shoes walking in and out of the water everywhere and and like stingrays everywhere box jellyfish um we didn't have to we were there like sort of oh, time of year we didn't have to really but then in saying that like stan was like they're still here every day <laughs> like you're a ganji and all that like so yeah we didn't are they the know, real little ones yeah and they really fuck you up those ones, yeah right? they're like pretty much the same as a box jellyfish are they moving south someone was telling me the other day because of warmer water currents or oh, something they could be it's like i don't know they're anyway. I didn't. Well, that was one of those ones we didn't even think about. <laughs> right. Like, then yeah. someone's like, "Too many other things to think about." We're like, "Oh no, they're not there this time of year." And they're like, "No, they're there all the time." It's maybe not as bad this time of year. But I was like, "So how long did that take?" I was like nine days. I think we we're out there for like. And was that and pain experience. or good experience ratio? It's one of those ones, I guess, where it's like really shit at the time so then it's a good experience later mm. <laughs> it's like the best stories later when they really sucked at the time yeah. now it was it was rat, like so much like it was a proper adventure like shit going wrong every day and but like then 
fishing and like Stan, who was one of the local we guy we had up there and he had like a six meter like cray boat. Like he, they dive for cray, like a live tank and that. And um, he, he'd take us trawling like every night. So like I'd never caught a fish bigger than like 12 centimeters before. And he got like a over a meter, like barracuda, like first fish. And then like, so it like, it was awesome. it was pretty part when we were on and paddling and that it was part because it's like the thing was so heavy so it was so much work and you hit chops and you'd smack your fingers on the side of the boat and like i had all holes in like the knuckles of my hand like from rubbing on the side of the boat and like i said when that's in- happening you got holes and you they're ulcerating and you fuck do you just kind of want to be like uh, can we time out Nah, because nah. then you just go backwards. Like, I love it. I love you going. just fucking one direction. I'd be yeah. like... Uh, I think the other guys would have liked it. There was plenty of times I was yelling orders to just keep going. And I think a different mentality, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking nice. But, um, yeah, it was super fun. I'd do it again. All right. Maybe so on go- a fast craft, though. Yeah. <laughs> do you reckon it's quicker to paddle? Oh, I reckon we could have paddleboard it in like four days. Okay, way quicker. Yeah. yeah. Even now, with the shitty winds. Going back to Cormac. Yeah. Uh, I read a thing that you'd said um, that your daughter now has a newfound respect for eagles. Yeah. Because of a conversation with him. Yeah. And I wanted to know, um, I'm, 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 I'm guessing it ties into the, the spirit world. Yeah. And, and the afterlife. Yeah. Can you, can you flush Well, that I out? guess like through all that, like... Um, we were living out in South Beach Road then and, and there was a lot of like, I guess, unfortunately, a lot of like the local um, raptor population is getting pushed out like with all the new development and that going in. So we were seeing a lot of swamp harriers and little um, little eagles and like kites and stuff like that because we were on a, like a couple of acres um and there was like the odd wet like i went out one day and there's a big wedgie like two in the front yard like front paddock i mean like and it was like fuck look at that like and um so my daughter just loves eagles and like loves like any of the raptors and um so yeah it was i guess then i started teaching her about like bungle and is raptor anything that's a, a hunting bird yeah pretty much yeah. and then and then there's different type like the swamp harrier looks like an eagle but i don't i think technically to be an eagle they have to have feathers down to their feet oh okay yeah right. where swamp harrier's got um feathers to it's like elbow because they catch snakes ah so they're like more out I, like yeah is my understanding of like of, of how it works mm. but i still get more mixed up all mm. the time <laughs> but um yeah, so she, like both my kids, like love, well, my son probably, because we keep saying raptors and he thinks they're dinosaurs. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> my head goes too. Like, yeah. <laughs> we went to the raptor refuge in Tassie and like Maya was psyched and Marlo's like, all right, where's the dinosaurs? Yeah. And they're like, no, no, they're birds, mate. He's like, like his face straight away just is off it and he's like all right i want to see the crocodiles <laughs> it's like no it's all just birds dude and he's like so over it but they are the prehistoric link yeah yeah they well they were like like the raptor had feathers yeah it was like a chook 
I wish we still had a few pterodactyls. But anyway, so did um, did he shed some light onto like what spirits go to eagles or? Nah, but just more so like um, sharing like the Dreamtime stories of like Bunjil and that because even like we live now out in Mount Dunedin yeah. and um, in our state, there's two big resident wedgies that'll fly over all the time and they, they actually live over near Narana, I'm pretty sure. And that was, vol- and it's volcanic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was a volcano yeah. originally. So, um, which Marlo loves to tell everyone that we live on a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I guess, especially with hanging out with Cormac more and doing those trips and, um, and, and myself learning more about our like like the Watherong and stuff like that and I I think it's kind of shitty like I went to like the information night at the school the other night and the kids learning Japanese and I'm like why don't they learn some indigenous some indigenous like, like a yeah is there so like, many dialects or is it like- there is a lot but like surely there's like there's so many of lost now like like surely there if we could learn one from the or just learn more about our yeah about the original owners of the land the custodians that lived here for however many hundreds of thousands of years in harmony with nature and didn't fuck it up and more farmers though that's the thing they're always like oh no they're nomadic that was just so the whiteys could steal all the land they've proven now that they were way better farmers than we are like they knew what they were doing so i kind of yeah i i keep trying to teach them more of that stuff and about like and and Bunjil is the is the totem for Watherong, so it's it kind of tied in there. When you say Bunjil, yeah, so Bunjil the Creator, which is a big wedge tail eagle, which you'll see a lot of stuff around here. Is like the Watherong logo is like Bunjil. It's, and, a, it's an eagle. Yeah, and okay. even if you go down to the um, park that's down the end of like it's at the end of the Esplanade and Horseshoe Bend there. Yeah, there's a big like net swing, and it's like the Bunjil's nest like so you, you start to sort of see there's a lot of they're starting to bring more of it out now and like and actually i guess give it like the indigenous names and stuff like that so but i just sort of want my kids to understand that the indigenous crew were here way before us way way before us oh, and did a way better job of looking after the land and and that living and, in harmony with yeah with nature which is and like they still do like and that then the thing that really i guess kind of frustrates me a bit with um like especially people that don't understand it i've never had anything to do with like aboriginal crew before like like oh they don't they're just on the dole and it's like (laughs) in torres Strait, like i didn't see anyone not working everyone had a job it could be um, as minor as whatever to running a hospital or what but everyone had a job everyone was doing something and it's like you walk around here and how many losers in Torquay are just doing nothing or on the dole like it's like yeah it's kind of changed my perspective on everything really like well a fair story to support our own existence in this foreign land yeah for so long and now we're starting to see through it a bit and it's difficult because we live here but now we have the opportunity, I suppose, to um, like look at New Zealand. Yeah, they coexist. Yeah, and I just don't understand why we can't adopt more of a coexisting. Yeah. Anyway, look, I don't want to get too. That's political. a deep one. We could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we are at uh, one forty-six, so yeah. that's a pretty good. We got chat. through it. <laughs> 
Walsy, thank you so much for coming in. Nah, thanks is for it, having me. Is there anything else that you want to get out that you haven't said? <laughs> oh, I don't know, really. What's next? Not, you don't want to talk about it? If you don't oh, want to talk no. about it, that's fine. I've got some bad ideas. Yeah, some I just bad bought, ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I just bought an OC1, like a one-man outrigger. So I've got a few things I want to do there. Like I'm hopefully before winter, I'm going to take Maya down to Tassie and paddle down the Arthur River through the Tarkine cool. region. So like, yeah, pretty like way out in the wildness there for like... How do you get that thing down there? Well, no, I'm oh, going to take, we're going to do it on inflatable paddle boards. Okay. So, um, yeah. So we're going to go down there and, um, yeah, like, well, I've got a couple of mates that are pretty keen to come too. So, um, hopefully we'll film a bit of that and sort of maybe do a little doc over her. So Maya's got, it's got sort of some, something to show her friends from the adventure, but, um, yeah, she's super keen to like, I guess she's always seen me doing all this stuff. Yeah. She she wanted to paddle Bass Strait. I was like, <laughs> what are you, are you up to with that surfboard? <laughs> we, may, we might have to start off a bit smaller than that and yeah. we'll work our way up. So, yeah, so I want to do that. And um, looking at... <laughs> so funny. Yeah, looking at... Like, I want to, like, potentially with the OC1, like, like paddle the whole length of the Murray with that thing kind of die straights now and i want to i want to sort of see for myself and and two i just want that challenge of like yeah i want to see how bad it feels after 30 days of paddling down there. 30 days yeah it's like 2350 k's or something so okay. that's a good one so yeah i want to try to see if i can do that and see how fast i go i don't know it might it's kind of hard that one i might have to do as um kind of space it out i guess and I'd love to do it in one big hit, but trying to get a month off. And but you do it and like do it, um, no doubt, and raise money for. Yeah, yeah, and that's like for I guess and like look to raise awareness for that. Like everyone's pretty aware of it now, though. Like it's pretty shit what's going on. So the water's there; it's just getting held up in Chinese cotton farms. So. And did you know what the crazy thing is? Is about the Murray and the Edward River and all those estuaries that come yeah. off. Blah, blah blah. They were once clear. Yeah. And we just accept that it's brown now. <laughs> yeah. I know. Like, you, you've it's only got to see nuts. the rivers in New Zealand and you're just like, holy shit. What the fuck have we done? <laughs> what have we... We've ruined... That's... Uh, I just I just finished reading a book um, on Jackson Track, or Jackson's Track, which is up, like, out near Druin, sort of, like, and uh, two, like, young blokes that bought this farm and they were drovers up north. I'm from Melbourne, but went up north at like 12 years old and shit. Like, so hard back then. What, what 18, 19, early 19s? Which yeah, early 1900, like yeah. 1930s sort of thing. Fucking and hardcore. They come home and then they, because they heard like, oh, there's land for sale up in these areas and got up there and they bought this one. And like, they were logging trees, but like back then, they're using a saw and an axe. Like, it's not like just driving through with a bulldozer and no, chuck it on they, were, they were pretty selective on what they took but these guys in the, on their big property they ended up employing or they had a lot of been like aboriginal crew come and live there and man the story you get through it and it just it's brutal and like they were just were living in complete harmony like they no sickness nothing they shipped them all into town and, and like they just all started dying like then it was like it's pretty brutal but it's um i think those things it's like people need to read it and see but they try like the farmers came in they 
changed the direction of the creek that they did had fresh water run through it forever and like you said then it wasn't clear anymore it was muddy it was like trickled and yeah that's kind of gnarly it's just oh, i could go down the sad road right now but i won't <laughs> yeah no <laughs> we'll bring it back yeah bring it back <laughs> this this but yeah no nah, I've, I've i've got plans i've hopefully i get to do them we'll wait only time will tell but I hope you get to do them too. Yeah. And no doubt you will, knowing track record. Yeah, no, nah, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see how we go. Awesome. So, no, nah, thanks for having me. Walshie. Thank you. Pleasure. Well, there you have it. There was my chat with Zeb Walsh. Um, I told you that he was an absolute gentleman and a fucking madman rolled into one. I mean, what a fucking... <laughs> How can someone be so nice and yet such a psychopath in the water? It's it's like white lion fever, but what? It, that was my dog. Um, but like ocean fever, ocean fever. Zeb, you suffer from ocean fever. Um, look, thank you so much, whoever you are, wherever you are, tuning in. Um, super appreciate it. I'm just going to give a quick shout out to a mate of mine, Boutros, um, we are, who he made me face a fear of my own um, in the ocean couple of weeks ago and you know when you're standing there with someone and you got to make a decision that you go am i out of my element i'm in my element and i kind of had that feeling i'm out of my element but uh, boots was like nah dude you got this and made me you know step out of what i perceived to be my comfort zone and and what inevitably turned into an amazing experience in the ocean so thanks for pushing me buddha because there's no way i would have done it without you um you all right If you're still listening, take it easy. Ciao.